the, the passage, the passage from Breshit to Shemot, takes place in the parish of Ayechi. The change of in Breshit is a book about individuals, and uh, Shemot is a book about the nation of Israel, and somehow this transfer took place uh, at the end in the parish of Ayechi where the individuals became subsumed under the the banner of the nation. Now, when exactly did that happen? Where in the parasha of Vayichi did that actually take place? So, uh, if you look at uh, the last uh, source on the sheet, on the first page, this is the story Yaakov Avidu has blessed all his children. And we know that the blessings are not exactly blessings. It's a topic for another another discussion. But after he finishes blessing his children, he talks to them about burying him in Eretz Yisrael. And the Psukim, and the Psukim are he commanded them. He, Yaakov, commanded them. Right? B'nei Yisrael. I mean, the, uh, the people who were there, right? His children. Right? means a dying. Right, and then he says, "Kibru otia elavotai, bury me with my forefathers, elhamayrasha v'steyefronachiti, in that special cave that was in the land of Ephron, achiti, b'mayrasha v'sedam achbelash, or the pnei mamrei beretz kenan, asher kenan v'ham et asedem et Ephron achiti lachuzat." Kevin. So he gives exact the exact location. The Kudot Siyun is the way you say it in Hebrew. Like you want to find the place, you identify it as much as you possibly can. And that's what Yaakov did. Pasuk Lamed Aleph, Shama Kavruat Abraham, that Sarah Ishto, Shama Kavruat Yitzchak, that Rivka Ishto, Vishama Kavarti at Le'ah. In all of these places, uh, I died. I mean, all these, I'm saying, in this place, all of these people were buried. Right? My father, my grandfather, my father's wife, my grandfather's wife, they were all buried in that place. Yaakov, I think it's missing something. Yaakov, Litzavot et bin Banavi Yisof Raglav El Amita Vayigva Vayasef El And here you have this triliteral death. Right? He dies three times in this in this pasuk. You see, it says Yisof Raglav El Amita, which is a way of saying he died. Vayigva, which is another way of saying he died. Vayasef El Amav is another way of saying he died. So there isn't anybody who died more than Yaakov Avinu died. And yet, if you look at the Rashi, see, this refers back to the uh, uh, to our Pasuk, right? It says the word, um, the Hebrew word Mavet, Mem Vavtav, that Hebrew word does not appear in the Pasuk. Every other word that indicates somebody died does appear. So, Mita Lodem Rabo, it means that that word, Mavet, did not, did not appear in the Pasuk. So he quotes the Gemara in Ta'anit, Yaakov Avinu Lomate. I'm sorry, I'm reading the Ramban. This is Rashi, though. This is Rashi. So, Yaakov Avinu Lomate, Lashon Rashi. So, uh, we don't know what Rashi meant. Rashi may have quoted the Gemara just in order to sort of tell us that there was something special about the death of Yaakov 
because because the idea the regular death which is mavet vayamot motumat all of those various combinations not used for Yaakov but a kind of oblique statements kind of vayasef elamav vayigva he pulled up his legs because of the, the fetal position which is how some people think you die so uh, I mean Rashi doesn't really tell us Erbervontuns you know he, he warns us he says listen pay attention pay attention that the word Mavet is not used why? okay maybe Rashi doesn't explain that but it doesn't mean necessarily that Rashi thought that Yaakov didn't die which is the way it's often explained how can you say he thought that Yaakov didn't die. Yaakov died in triplicate. Right? Every possible word indicating death is in that posuk. The only word that's not there is, is mother. So we say Yaakov avidu lomet. It means, it means the word mother is not associated with Yaakov avidu. There's something special about the fact that he died. He died. But there's something special about it. And that special is called in the Gemara Yaakov mate. Rashi says I'm saying the Ramban He goes on He says Ledat Raboteinu Arei Yaakov Iskir He says I don't understand Yaakov Avinu Talks about himself As dying Hinei Anochi Meit He says I'm going to die He says to To the people Who are standing with him he says, he says, he doesn't understand the Ramban. The Ramban is, is incredulous about this statement of Chazal. What possible meaning could this have? If Yaakov Avinu, he doesn't quote the fact that in this Pasuk here, he doesn't mention that he died three times, but he says, Yaakov Avinu said himself that he's going to die, or he's about to die. So, so how can the Chachobim say that Yaakov Avinu lo mate doesn't make any sense? In, in other words, Ramban is relating to the literal statement in the Gemara, Yaakov Avinu lo mate, assuming that that means that somehow Yaakov Avinu didn't die. And he says, it can't be. It can't be that that's what, that's what the Gemara means, because after all, Yaakov Avinu said about himself, I'm about to die. He felt it. He was old, he was tired, he was about to die. So, so how could there be any, uh, any disagreement, any disagreement about that? Okay? Now this story, this is the, the tzivui, the command that Yaakov Avinu gave to his sons, especially to Yosef. But this command is taken up again when Yosef has to justify, when Yosef has to justify his uh, taking his father to Chutzlara. So that is a story. Uh, page two at the top. Yosef Yaakov died. It's another thing. Yaakov died. How can you say Yaakov be the low mate? He died. And this is the story of what happened when he died. By itzav Yosef et avadav et harofim lechanet et aviv. Lechanet means uh, what do you call that in English? Embalming. Yeah, I never could figure that out. But apparently the Egyptians were good at this, and uh, some would even say that that's what lo mate means. That most dead people in Egypt who couldn't afford this uh, particular kind of uh, treatment. They died and they stuck into the ground and they disintegrated like everybody else does. But if you had protexia of a certain kind or a good visa, you could get embalmed. And embalmed meant that to the Egyptians, I think, well, I'm not an expert on Egyptian religion, uh, uh, they meant to the Egyptians, Lomet. Immortal in a sense. What? You're immortal in a sense in another place. I guess. Anyway, but in any event, you don't die because people who die also disintegrate. They don't remain embalmed in a, as a mummy. Right? That 
that is not way, the way it works. So maybe that's what they meant when they said Chazal, when they said Yaakov Peter lone mate, that this is also called lone mate. This describes the lone mate. But I would say it's speculative. I, I don't really know. The only thing we know is that we, we probably tend to agree, we tend to agree with the Ramban who felt that it could not mean, possibly mean that he didn't die, that he was still alive. It wasn't the messianic personality of Yaakov that we are talking about. So, that's what that, that's that Pasuk. The next Pasuk says, this is like getting to be a really a, a major a major event in Egyptian history. So Yosef now has to plead to be allowed to take his father to Eretz Canaan. Now what does he say? So you read the Pasuk, and you remember the Pasukim we read before, you know that Yaakov Avinu did not say to Yosef, which phrase did he not say? But, He never said that. What is that? What's it got to do with it? Why couldn't Yosef just talk to Paro and tell him what Yaakov actually said? He didn't say Shekariti Lab, but in order to understand, you have to look at Rashi. So we'll look at Rashi. You see Pasuk, Pasuk A, right? Shekariti Li. Kipshuto. One explanation is Kipshuto. What does Kipshuto mean? Okay, we'll look up the word in the dictionary, Kariti. And whatever the dictionary says, that's what we'll say. So that's what that's what Rashi says. Lemaaseh, kimo ki tichre ish ki tichre ish means you'll dig it, you'll dig a hole, right? You'll dig a hole. So that's what that's what it says. That in the Maratha Machpelah there is already a hole that is prepared for Yaakov Avinu's burial. Burial. So yeah, it's so a Yosef was somehow. Uh, um, making an argument. I mean, like, if we'd imagine to ourselves, Yosef says, let's bury him, we're going to bury him in Eretz Canaan. And Paro says, what kind of place is that? There's nobody lives there, there's nothing going on there. I'll bury him here in Mitzrayim. We have Luxor, and we have pyramids, and we have uh, sphinxes. We, we, we're the, we're the, the great burial people of the ancient world. Nobody beats us, and you already started with Chanata. So what is he going to say? What is, what is Yosef going to say to Paro? So apparently, according to Rashi, according to this interpretation of Rashi, he said, I can't do that because my father already prepared his burial. Oh, that's something else. You're going to go against the death wish of Yaakov Avinu. You know about death wishes? I don't know so much, but I've seen them mentioned in movies. The death witch, it's like a big deal. You don't just deny somebody's death. So if he dug a hole in the Maratha Machpelah, then there should be some, some, uh, some kind of obligation that his children have to actually get him there. It's the beginning of it. It's not just that Yaakov, Yaakov really may not have known. You could say, he didn't know how good it is to be buried in Mitzrayim. He didn't know how stylish the funerals in Mitzrayim uh, could be. So, so that's what Rashi says. Then Rashi says, Umedrasho. I don't have to tell you that when Rashi says Kipshuto, and then Rashi says Kimedrasho, even though Rashi himself, in, uh, in several times of Bereshit, then again in Noah, always says that he is a Pashtan. Right? I think about the Elale, the face Pshuto Shel Mikra. That's Rashi. So that if he, if he leaves Pshuto Shel Mikra, and he goes to the Medrash, that is always an important thing. There's something, it was that Rashi is saying that the method that's called Pshat doesn't work, or doesn't give me sufficient results. It doesn't tell me what the Torah really wanted me to know. 
So that's Umedra Show. I, I, I think you know that Rashi is always, always, uh, always means 98% of the time, dependent on Chazal. Right? He uses Chazal. So that's not what we would call Pshat today. But Rashi called that Pshat. He said if the choice between one Chazal and another Chazal is Pshat. Right? Not, you know, not the kind of shot that you get from looking at the, uh, the new translations of the Bible into English. So the first answer is Kipshuto. Then he says, Umedrasho, Od, Mityashev al Halashon, Kemo, Asher Kaniti. There's another way to explain, to explain the word Kariti, right? And that explanation is, that explanation is Kaniti. And he says, When I went to some islands in the middle of the Mediterranean, They didn't say the Hebrew word, which is sail, a sail, but they used the word kira. So Asher Kariti has to do with, with uh, uh, a sail. Asher Kariya, so who's the sale? What sale are we talking about? What sale are we talking about? Asher Kira. The old Medrasho, further drash, the Shom Kri. Dagur, Kri is a pile. Right, you take all the, 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 the thing that grows out in the field, you collect it before your house, you set it up in a, in a, in a pile, and you, you top it off, and then you make another pile. Right, that's what the Cree is, a Cree is a pile. So what's it got to do with us? Rashi, he says, Shenatal Yaakov kol kesev is a mi beit lavan. When Yaakov came back to Eretz Yisrael, he took all of the good things that he brought from the house of Lavan, and he piled them up. He piled them up in a kind of a pile. Uh, so, so this is Rashi. You know Rashi? Rashi says, what does Asher Kariti Li mean? He means, I bought it. I bought it, Kinyan. But that doesn't explain why the Torah, Yaakov, Yosef, why Yosef used such a strange word. It may be absolutely correct. Maybe absolutely correct that the word Kariti can mean Kinyan. You're correct, I don't even know what that, what you know, that, that, that's, that's the way it is. And that in these islands that Rabbi Akiva visited, they actually use that word. And it's absolutely correct. But the one thing that is not explained is why use that word and not the simple word, Asher Kaniti. And so for Rashi, the answer to that second question is because there's a hidden meaning that you have to explore in order to understand what Yosef said to to uh, to Paro. Asher Kaniti means, okay, it belongs to me, I did it for this purpose, I've got to follow the wishes of Yaakov Avinu, and, and there's no doubt about that. But really, Yosef says there's something else going on here. There's something else going on here that Yaakov prepared prepared a Nachala in Eretz Yisrael that was different than the Nachala that he inherited. He inherited 50% of the Maratha Machpelah, but he made sure that he would acquire 100% of the Maratha Machpelah. And that's the hidden meaning in the Pasuk. That's why Yosef said that Yaakov said, Asher Karitili. I hope that this is that this is understood. And then, if you look again at uh, well, at uh, the story starting in uh, in Pasuk Zayin, Vayal Yosef Likbor Et Aviv Vayalu Al Tokol Adai Paro Ve Aziknei Beito Vekoziknei Eretz Mitzrayim. You see what an affair this was. I mean, okay, they didn't bury him in Eretz Yisra- in Eretz Mitzrayim. But the Egyptians took over Eretz Canaan. 
I mean, look who came, this entourage that came with, uh, with Yosef. This was a big deal. What was going on here? And what did Yosef say? Let me go and bury my father in, uh, in the Marat of Achbelah. What did the Egyptians say? Oh, if you have to do it, we'll come with you. How many? All of us. I mean, I don't know who all of us is, but I mean, I guess all the important guys with their horses and their chariots. Can you imagine this invasion of Eretz Canaan that's taking place in order to bury the very Yaakov? There's something going on. <coughs> A statement that is being made for the nations of the world. For everybody you could hear and see. Everybody knew about this burial. Everybody knew that there was something happening that was that was special. So if you look at uh, that's Pasuk Tet. Pasuk Yud Yevoad Gurun Hatad Asher Beivad Ayadet. Okay, you'll you'll see the 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 Pasukim. Pasuk Yud Bet VaYasu Banav Lo Kein Kasher Tzibam. And here you have this mention, right? What happened? Who did it? Who buried? Who buried Yaakov? Banav, not not Yosef, not Yosef. Very good, not Yosef. Banav. In other words, something happened. Something happened. There was a kind of a moment of parody. Yosef and the brothers were all together in this in this act of burying Yaakov. Banav. And you know, you know that when they came back to Eretz Israel. When they came back, we look at the last pasuk in this uh, in this uh, section. Vayiru achei Yosef ki meit avehem vayomru lo yistemeni Yosef vashev yeshiv lano et kol ra'ashegemalano In other words, back in Eretz Mitzrayim, the distinction existed. Distinction between Yosef, who was the Mishnah Lamelech, and their other brothers in Eretz Yisrael, Banav. They were all together. There was something about this process of burial which was very important and which changed the relationship between between Yaakov, his children, Yosef, right? That their whole lives, their whole lives, Yosef stood apart from his brothers. Justifiably, perhaps. He was the one who became king in Mitzrayim. He's the one who saved the family. He's the one who brought them down to Mitzrayim. He was the king of Egypt. And it's true that as long as Yaakov was alive, the brothers felt protected from the ire of Yosef or the wrath of Yosef. They were protected. But now that the father had died, but the one last act that happened about that, that took place with the father and the son was that the, the brothers all buried their father together. Now this reminds me, if you go back to the first page, go back to the first page here, uh, the second, the second, uh, the second uh, section, Cafe. we're talking about Avram Avinu. It says, So Abraham Avinu had other sons, other sons besides Yitzchak and Yishmael. And they were the children of Keturah, as the, the Pasuk says. Now Abraham Avinu wanted to disconnect himself from those other sons. And how did he do that? How did he do that? He, he separated them from the Yerusha. They didn't inherit. They were not going to inherit Avram Avinu. Now how did he do that? He paid them off. He said, you can inherit now. You won't inherit Mimita from death. Because as anybody who's learned these Sugyot in the Gemara understands... There's something special about inheritance after death. It doesn't demand a Kenyan, right? The children don't have to do anything. They're automatically the father's property. You know, I wouldn't say intellectual property, but his spiritual property and his physical property is bestowed automatically on his children because they are his children. 
Now, if you exclude somebody from this, you exclude a child from this process by paying them off in advance, then apparently something about the relationship between the father and the son is torn asunder. It's not quite the same. I say father and son, but I mean the father and the daughters as well. Just that here, we're only talking about sons. So that that Avram Avinu, Avram Avinu saw in Yerusha, in this process of inheritance, a statement of great importance. Who inherits Avram Avinu? Only the one who can inherit Avram Avinu. Now you know that Yishmael was sent away much earlier. His mother, he, and which they were given, uh, they were given support, but they were sent away. He was not included in the inheritance. Yishmael. The children of Keturah are sent away much later. Here there's an interesting side point. I'm going to, uh, maybe I'll mention a side point. Uh, it says, Livneha Pilat Shim. Right, okay, I don't know what Pilat Shim is, but they're not, uh, not real wives. I mean, not first class wife, second class wife, something like that. That's a Pilegish. I mean, halachically, Rashi will, will, will clarify a little bit. But Rashi says this, and this is like a very important point, I think, about Rashi. Rashi says, Chaser Ktiv. Chaser Ktiv means that it's, uh, the, the spelling is not plene. That's what they used to say in the olden days, when if you said a word in Latin, it meant you were very clever. Today, it's, uh, you have to sing, a, a, say the words of a rock song to be called very clever but you know that sometimes in Hebrew there's a fuller spelling and a less full spelling and in uh, modern times they try to use the fuller spelling all the time because they don't vocalize like in a newspaper you read a newspaper so there's usually no vocalization in universe, in newspaper except for the those newspapers that they make for the upan but most newspapers are not Vocalized, so if they're not vocalized, they use this plenay spelling. So when Rashi says chaser ktiv, he's talking about this word pilak shim, and what he means is that you see there are two yuds in the in this word pilak shim. Mm-hmm. It means one of them doesn't belong there; it's not there. Which one is not there? The second one. The second one. Let's imagine pilak shim shin yud be, shin mem at the end instead of shin yud mem. Of course, the problem with this Rashi is that it just doesn't happen to be correct. It's not true. In every single Sefer Torah that you could ever find, um, this was uh, this is part of what the Minchat Shai taught us, that every Sefer Torah, it's, it's spelled full with Shin Yun Ben in the end. So how could Rashi say, Chaser Ktiv? So the answer is in the continuation. So Rashi says, Rashi says, "Chaser ktiv shelo ha'ita ela pilegesh achat v'hagar hiktura." How's that? In other words, Rashi says the proof that this woman who had further children with Avram Avinu was Hagar, the same Hagar who who was the mother of Yishmael. The proof of that is that the second yud is missing. That's what Rashi says. What do you think of that? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, but if you look, if you don't want to rest your case, you can look at the Rashbam. The Rashbam says, See, Apilak Shim, you see, what is Rashi, what is the Rashbam saying? Agar Ktura. Whereas according to the Rashbam, there were two of them. There were two wives. So you could say, well, the Rashbam, who was a grandson of Rashi, he looked around and he said, what's Rashi talking about? There is a Yud there. How can you say there's no Yud? Question. Answer. There is a Yud. And if there is a Yud, so Pilachim is a plural. If it's a plural, it means there are at least two of them. That's the smallest amount that you could have in a plural, is two. The Gemara says that. So the, the, that that now this is machlokas between Rashi and the Rashbam. What's the machlokas about? 
between Rashi and the Rashbach. This is all a, a side point, but I think it's cute. What's the Machlokas about? Rashi is quoting Chazal. And Rashi is saying, what difference does it make? What difference does it make if there is a Yud or there isn't a Yud? The insight of Chazal is based on their t- intuition that Chazal were able to, to feel things, to understand things. Well, what difference make if I have a proof? So Rashi says, Chazer Ktiv, that's the Lashon of Chazal. Right? So you saw what happened to the, what happened to that Sefer Torah where there was no Yud? I don't know what happened to it. And we'll find it someday. But we won't find it someday. I mean, what's the difference? So that's what Rashi says. Chaser Ktiv, that's the quote from Chazal. And since they say that, there's no reason not to repeat it. But the Rashbam, who considered himself to be the more ultimate kind of Pashtan, you know, he was only gonna deal with reality. Rajbam says, look, I, I never heard of such a thing, I don't know such a thing, and therefore, as far as I'm concerned, the word Pilak Shim is a plural, and not a singular, and it refers to both wives that, that Avram had. So now we go on. Pasuk Zayin. Ve'el yimei shnei chayei Avraham ha'shechai me'ad shana, v'shivim shana, v'chamesh shanim. Ve'egva v'yamot Avraham b'seiva tova z'kedis tova v'yesef el ha'mach. You know, see, Avraham only died twice. He said, Avraham is v'yegva, I'm sorry, v'yegva three times. V'yamot. What's mot? Yaakov avinu. Lomate, the word mate, doesn't appear in the statement in the obituary of Yaakov Avinu. So that's Yaakov Avinu Lomate. A third way of dying. He died three times. Now this is absolutely inconceivable. How did Yishmael get into this deal? How did Yishmael was sent away? He wasn't, he wasn't a son of Abraham. He was sent away, they gave him some stuff, you know, and uh, some, some coupons to some store and they go. How is it possible that Yishmael and Yitzchak together buried Abraham Avinu? So Rashi says, Rashi, very simple, very simple. Yitzchak Yishmael Rashi Mikan Shasa Yishmael Tshuva Vaholich Et Yitzchak Lefanav. You see the pasuk what it says. Who buried Avram Avinu? Yitzchak Yishmael. Who is older? Yishmael was older. Who appears first in the pasuk? Yitzchak. And that was the sign that Yishmael did Tshuva and that he understood that Yitzchak was the superior uh, religious personality, or there was a superiority to him that had to be maintained, was the fact that the Pasuk says, Yitzchak v'Yishmael, that Yishmael allowed Yitzchak to be the, the primary, the prime mover, the, so that you see, <coughs> you see that, there, that, that there's a problem that Yishmael should not have buried his his uh, father, because he was sent away, just as the Bnei Ketura was sent away, and they did not come back to bury their father. So you have the only way to understand that, according to Rashi, is to say that somehow there was a radical change that that took place, and that Yishmael that uh, Yishmael changed. He was a different person. He was worthy to some extent of being the son of. Abraham, and therefore he buried him. So you see already with Abraham, with the burial of Abraham, that uh, uh, that to bury your father is a sign that you have accepted the inheritance. If it's a physical inheritance, if it's a spiritual inheritance, the Bnei Keturah represent the sons of Abraham who did not Accept that inheritance, that idea, and therefore they were not buried. And Yishmael, I mean, certainly it's a problem, but Yishmael apparently somehow did accept this spiritual, uh, this spiritual inheritance. 
had physical inheritance from Avraham who is able to participate with Yitzchak in the burial of his of his father. And needless to say that if Yishmael represents somehow Islam, right in the the widest uh, possible sense, there is no doubt that the religion that's called Islam, in some ways, is a uh, is very very accepting of certain great ideas that Judaism bequeathed them, them to them, right? There's something, something about, uh, about this which is, uh, which is true. Any, any event, there's one more pasuk which is not, it's not on the sheet for some terrible reason. It's my fault. Perik, but if you make a note of it, Perik Lamed Hey Pasuk Kaf Tet. Perik Lamed Hey Pasuk Kaf Tet. Vayigvay Yitzchak Lamot. Yitzchak died. And by Yitzchak it says Vayigva. That's a word of death. The same thing we have by Yaakov. And Lamot, the same word that we have by Abraham. Right? Mavet. Again, I remind you, Yaakov Avinu Lo Mate. Yaakov Avinu Lo Mate, but Abraham Mate. And Yitzchak Mate. Meaning that those words are used, that word is used by Avraham and Yitzchak. Here the Pasuk says, so here, even though Rashi doesn't say, it just says that who the, who buried Yitzchak, Esav and Yaakov. So according to this theory that I'm trying to develop, that you have to be a son, you have to be right in order to. So there's no doubt, there's no doubt that Esav was a lot closer to his father since he was a twin. He was a son and a twin. It wouldn't be so easy to get rid of him. Right? And what did, what did the Rashi teach us, Asher Karitigli? What did Rashi say? What did Rashi say? That, that Yaakov was able to make a tikkun. It was when Yaakov and Esau buried their father Yitzchak. So Yitzchak, Esau was the son of, of, of Yitzchak. Esau was the son of Yitzchak. He was a brother, a twin brother of Yaakov. And he was the owner because he wasn't sent away. He was the owner of Maratha Machpelah. So that this aberration, this aberration was corrected by Yaakov, according to Rashi. We corrected by Yaakov because Yaakov went and he bought, and he, <coughs> sorry, and he, he paid him off, paid off Esav and became the sole owner of the, uh, of the Maratha Machpelah. And therefore, when Yaakov is buried, we don't hear any more about Esav. We don't hear any more about Esau and the children of Esau. I mean, nobody came to participate in this close relative's burial because he had no connection. He, by that time, had really, really had no connection. So we see that, uh, we see, I think, that the moment, that the moment, I think the moment when Am Yisrael was created was when all the brothers came together to bury <coughs> their father Yaakov. Right, and there was a certain parity that was established between the parents Israel. And even though a lot of Egyptians came along as uh, to, to, to uh, kind of increase the honor of the event, there is no doubt, there is no doubt that it was the brothers who buried Yaakov Avinu. And that was the, cha- the change, that when they buried him, there was, no, uh, there was no ranking. Nobody said some brothers are more important than others. Some sons of Yaakov are more sons of Yaakov than others. It was all Banav. There was, there was just Banav. When they came back to Egypt, as we pointed out, we came back to Egypt, there was this problem. Yosef became Yosef, the king of Egypt again, and the people and the boys were worried, the brothers were worried, that up to now he had been, they'd all been kept in check because of, um, of uh, the, the fact that Yaakov was alive. Yaakov lived for 17 years in Eretz Mitzrayim, but during those years we could assume that everybody thought that Yosef would not uh, act against his brothers. I would like to just look at the, um, the end of this pre This pre is very interesting, but it's not, 
something that we can do right now. If you look at the end, at the end, you count the lines from the bottom. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. The Kavan. You see in the middle of the line, nine lines on the bottom. Nine or ten lines on the bottom. Depending how you look at it. Kavan. You see that? Mm-hmm. Well, you know that the pre was a Talmud of Ishbitz. Right? And, and this is an Ishbitz comment. He says, Since after all, everything comes from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So, and, and HaKadosh Baruch Hu is only Tov. So that means that everything that happens in the world is Tov. In spite of the fact that this is already in the Gemara, this idea that when something good happens, you make one bracha. When something bad may happen, you make a different bracha. It's only because of our weakness. I mean, it helps us to understand things, to categorize them as, as good and bad. But really, they're all good. They're all what God wants. So what God wants is good. That's what he says. Right, that's what the, the, the Medrash says about the Pesach in Bereshit. That the opposite of Tov, what you think is Ra, is Tov Ma'od. It's even better than Tov, right? It's the best. Okemosha Amarnu Shemitam Zetiknu and Sheknesetak Dola Ubore Hakol Bimkom Bore Ra. He says, and that's why, that's why the Ancheknesetak Dola, right? We say it every day. Yotzer or Ubore Choshech, Ose Shalom, and in Yeshayahu it says, Ubore Ra. Which uh, Chazal fixed. I mean, this is kind of a pretty radical position. They fixed it and they said because we wouldn't get we wouldn't get it otherwise. Uh, some say that it's connected to the Persians, the Persian religion that um, that uh, saw the world as being a constant battle between good and evil. And that eventually the evil would be vanquished by uh, the prince of good, Aramazda. And the, and the Chachamim didn't want uh, the, the Jews who davened every day to fall into that trap and to become enamored of this Persian idea, so they changed the Pasuk. Now, it's easy enough to say that, how exactly it happened. I mean, how did they do that? And how was it everybody accepted it? And why didn't people complain as they would complain today about um, messing up a posuk in Yeshayahu? I don't know the answer to any of those questions. Isn't there also a principle that you can't take a quote exactly from a posuk and incorporate it into a bracha? Well, you can't chop up a posuk. Yeah. Yeah. Also, I mean, it's all, all true. But there are things that happen on their own. You know, and then it becomes more or less a question of the Chachomim approving of it or trying to fight against it. And anybody who's ever been a rabbi in a shul knows that it's very hard to fight with Balabatim. And when, you know, people think they're right, then they're right. There's nothing you can do. So here he goes on and he says... Now listen. So Yaakov, right, is the he says this is this is in the Zohar. He, he says Yaakov Aden is a place where which is very where everybody think is very close to God. Right? Gan Aden. You walk around and God is walking around with you. It's like the, and then to get into the world, there was a Nahar, a river. Shiyotseme Aden. 
Who's the river Ayotzei Me'eden? Yaakov Avinu. Lashkot et hagan shubechinat keneset Yitzrael sheyakoltov. In other words, Yaakov Avinu somehow stands pivotally in between some rarefied relationship to God, Avram Avinu, Yitzchak Avinu, and the the spreading of that even outside of the God, outside of this outside of this wondrous uh, garden. What is coal? What is coal? Coal? It says by Avram Avinu. Mm-hmm. Right, Avram Avinu had coal. And what does Raji say? Ben Yeshlo. Bad Yeshlo. Coal. Coal means, well, it's a Bachlogis Tanoim, whether it means a son or a daughter, but for our purposes, it means the next generation. In other words, Yago, Avram Avinu, Avram Avinu had everything you could possibly want. He had everything you want, but when the Chachamim wanted to explain what the Torah meant when it said that Avram Avinu had everything, it said that Avram Avinu also had the next generation. He had a continuing he was able to bestow whatever he had discovered for himself onto the next generation. And that's what, that's what coal is. And that's what Yaakov Sihyechli coal. Shushiyechlo mida zoshnikra coal. He had coal, like Avram Mavinu. Va'av sheyosevu merkava lemida zoshnikra coal. And Yosef was the, the kind of, uh, closest one to this, right? Because he had, he had two sons who became the sons of Yaakov Avinu, right? Yeah, he was the Merkava. Merkava is a chariot that, that somehow the Shekhinah sits upon. It like, like he holds him up. He, hold, he holds it up. Uh, everything that combines heaven and earth so the star of 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 uh, connecting Aden, the Nahar, the river coming out of Aden, and the tributaries of that river, which are the children and the future generations, that was Yaakov Avinu. Avram Avinu Avinu had many sons, but only one who accepted entirely the uh, the spirit and the content of the traditions of Avinu. That was Yitzchak and Yishmael, who also participated in the burial. That moment of of accepting the, the highest or, or amount of inheritance. Okay, he was about tshuva. I mean, he had to do it on his own. He wasn't that way at the beginning. Yitzhak, Yitzhak, who was buried by Esav and, and Yaakov, Esav preceding Yaakov, he had to, at that time, he had not yet been able to rid himself of this, uh, this, uh, uh, monkey on his back called, called Esav, Asher Kariti Li. He does it. He gets rid of. He gets rid of Esav. He buys the Maratha Machpelah, and then when he goes to get buried, when he comes time for him to die, he says, "I want my burial to be the burial of all my children together, without any distinction." And this idea was popularized by the Egyptians who came to the uh, to the burial place of Avram of uh, of Yaakov of Vinu, right? And this idea is further refined in, uh, in uh, uh, this pre-Tzadik, who points out to us that the greatness of Yaakov was that he was the conduit. He was the ultimate conduit. And he created Am Yisrael. That's the question we asked at the beginning. We started talking, how did he create Am Yisrael? Because he created a situation where everybody's in. It doesn't mean everybody's good. Right at the time of Avram and time of Yitzhak, if you were good, you were in. But if you were not good, you had to be sent away. Yaakov changed that. 
Yaakov flowed because the river is always flowing and it's always coming somehow into those tributaries and everybody is kind of uh, uh, taking a, a note and and being taught and learning and, and understanding no one is out no one ever no one ever is denied a place at the funeral of his father now I, I, you may know of instances where this happened but it doesn't interest me the idea is the idea is that from Yaakov Avinu's time on there was a change and that change was that everybody was in and since everybody was in after the years of slavery in Mitzrayim there were hundreds of thousands of Jews and that could never happen under the old pre-Yaakov system and the hint for all of this is the burials the burials of Avram and then Yitzchak and now Yaakov and especially the Pasuk Asher Kariti Li and the fact that all of Egypt went with the with the burial party to Marat HaMachpelah in order to make sure that everybody knew that this was an event of great significance. The great significance, of course, was that we're now talking about Am Yisrael, and that's what happened in, in Shemot. And you know, there's a question, the beginning of Shemot, they count all the people, the Torah counts all the people who went down to Mitzrayim, and we know who they were, but there's a difference. Right, the first time in the parish of Miketz that we find out the names of the people who went down to Mitzrayim, went down to Mitzrayim, they were all individuals when they went to Mitzrayim. They were in, they were not in, right? But when they, in the beginning of Shemot, they are the 70 people who constitute the nation of Israel, nation of Israel where every child is part of is part of the nation. And that's the story of Moshe Rabbeinu, the story of Moshe Rabbeinu, the story of saving a child jeopardizing everybody for a single for a single child and that was the change that took place at this time the burial of Yaakov Avinu have a good uh, Shabbos